Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Thank you for joining me and welcome to Paranormal Mysteries. As always, I am your host, Nick Ryan. On tonight's episode, I'll be talking about a haunted bed and breakfast in Tasmania, Australia, the spirit of a child, prophetic dreams, and shadow people. But before we start tonight's show, I want to thank everyone for their support and generosity. Whether following and sharing the podcast, or donating through Patreon, buy me a coffee, or PayPal. Every type of support that you give is greatly appreciated. And if you have a paranormal experience that you'd like to share with me and the listeners, you may contact me through email or voicemail at paranormalmysteriespodcast.com. You can also find all of our support and contact information in the show notes. And now, let's start the show with our first listener story of the night, which comes to us from Diane. And Diane's story is called Prophetic Dreams. Diane says, Hello, Nick. These are a combination of mine and my husband's experiences. We have been together for almost 32 years and married for 30. When we were dating, we had a big argument, and apparently he was thinking about breaking up with me and then fell asleep that night with that thought in his mind. He had a dream that night with two children asking him not to break up with me. They told him that we would get married and have a daughter and a son. He didn't share this dream with me for a few years. Fast forward to seven years after that dream, we were married and expecting our first child. We decided not to find out the gender of the baby, and when our daughter was born, we both said, I knew it. That is when we both found out that we had both been having dreams that I was pregnant with a girl. He then told me about the dream that he had when we were dating. And that was quite a surprise. Our son was born four years later, and again we decided against finding out the gender of the baby. I had been having dreams that it was a boy, but I didn't want to read too much into the dreams. When I was pregnant the second time, I had so many people asking me if I wanted a boy so that I would have one of each. I assumed that those questions were influencing my dreams, because by now I had forgotten about the dream that my husband had when we were dating. While I was pregnant the second time, my mother-in-law was terminally ill. When I was eight months pregnant, she was worse and in a coma. My husband had a dream that he walked into her hospital room for his turn to visit with his mom, and he found her sitting in a chair next to her bed, holding a baby. He was excited because no one had expected her to wake up. She looked up at him and in reference to the baby in her arms said, Look who came to visit. He then walked toward her, and before he could see the baby, the dream ended. His mom passed away a week later. We always thought that it was my mother-in-law's soul and my son's soul passing each other as one left and one arrived on earth. Needless to say, this was a very stressful and emotional time. 
There was unhappy drama in my husband's family regarding property after the funeral. My husband was very torn emotionally. He woke up one morning feeling very hopeful and couldn't wait to tell me his dream. In his dreams that night, his grandfather visited him. In real life, when his grandfather died, he had a full head of hair that never went gray. In the dream, his grandfather appeared to him in a brilliant white suit, and his hair and mustache were white as well. He walked down some steps to my husband and said that everything was going to be all right, and then walked away. What no one knew was that if we were having a boy, we planned to name him after my husband's grandfather. The dream made my husband so happy, and not long after that our son was born, and we named him after Grandpa. A few months later, I told my husband's aunt about my dream with Grandpa. She stared at me, the hair on her arms stood up, and she just looked shocked. She told us that a few years earlier, her husband was extremely ill. She fell asleep one night, not knowing if he would make it through the night. That night, she had a dream of her dad visiting her in a brilliant white suit and a full head of white hair to tell her that everything would be all right. In the dream, he called her by a nickname that only he used. His appearance and the setting of the dream were exactly the same as my husband's. She had never told anyone her dream. My husband and his aunt felt so comforted by this, and it confirmed to them that Grandpa really did talk to them, and that he was looking out for everyone. Thank you for reading this. I hope that it might comfort someone else. I feel that you reading these stories helps listeners who have had experiences, but are unsure about telling anyone. Thank you. Diane Our next listener story comes to us from Melanie. And Melanie says, Hi Nick, I hope you are doing well and staying safe. I have recently gotten back into listening to the podcast this week, and every time I do, I remember experiences that I've had in the past, and I thought that I would write them to you. They might be of interest to the podcast. Back in 2010, when I was around 15 years old, one of my best friends, we'll call her Vanessa, and her family moved into a new house which was semi-detached, so two houses attached in the middle. It was exciting for us because it was a much bigger home than what she had previously had, and it was an interesting layout as well. This house had four levels, and in the basement there was a creepy mini door that led to a large crawl space. After Vanessa's family were all moved in, Vanessa, her cousin, and I were playing in the crawlspace, making forts, exploring, and looking through the boxes that were left down there from the previous tenants. Her parents didn't know that we were down there, and they didn't necessarily want us hanging out there either. As we were playing, we heard Vanessa's dad coming down the stairs, and we decided that turning off the lights would help with not giving away our position. Once the coast was clear, Vanessa and I decided to crawl together to turn the light back on, which was about six meters from where we were hiding in our fort. As we were crawling, Vanessa was ahead of me, and I was stopped in my tracks. I looked up, and there was a white apparition of what I perceived as a little boy. He was on his knees directly in front of me. This startled me and made me jump up and hit my head. I then scrambled to get away and went back to our fort, and by then, the light was back on. After telling the girls what I saw, we left the crawlspace for good. From there on, I continued to see this little boy. He was usually just watching us whenever we were hanging out, 
I would see him in my peripherals poking his head out of door frames or standing on the stairs looking down at us as we watched a movie in the living room. I always felt like we were being watched there. I was very open with letting Vanessa know these things because she was a big believer in the paranormal. Vanessa herself never saw the boy, but she did frequently see a bigger, dark figure. Vanessa did not like this figure because the energy wasn't pleasant, and she only saw him watching her sometimes when she slept. One night, Vanessa was awoken by someone tugging at her foot, and after that happened, she flipped her bed so that it was hugged by the wall, and she slept on it so that her feet were always facing the wall. It was her way of preventing it from happening again. I was lucky enough to have never experienced that. It's something I would never want to happen to me. That's for sure. One particular day when I was at Vanessa's, I was coming up from the basement, and at the top of my peripherals, I saw a black figure in the kitchen. It was very quick, but in that moment, I regretfully spoke to it in my head, asking it to leave and telling it that it was not welcome here. Not long after that, the energy in the house changed. We started hearing things in the basement. It sounded like someone was throwing items all around, just making a ruckus. We thought that maybe the neighbors were doing construction, so we checked outside, but both of their vehicles were gone. We then worked up the courage to go and investigate the basement, and we witnessed the basement door slam shut. There were no windows open, and we were home alone, so this very much frightened us. The sounds continued, and we started to panic. I decided to call my mom, who was open to these things, and she said to open the windows and leave the house for a little bit to let things settle down. As we were opening the windows, I apologized to the figure in my head and tried to take back what I had said to it. We then left for a couple of hours, and we were pretty shooken up. Once we felt that we were ready to come back to the house, it was quiet and the energy was much lighter, and we felt safe again. We then checked the basement and everything seemed fine. Nothing was broken or moved from what we could tell. This puzzled us, of course, after hearing what we had heard. I felt bad for triggering the event, but in the end I was only trying to help get rid of what was clearly a negative spirit. We did our best to research if there were any deaths at that house, but we weren't able to find anything, and from there we just sort of left it. My friend just coexisted with these spirits, seeing them here and there, and hearing noises once in a while. Vanessa's parents still live in that house to this day, and I rarely see them anymore since Vanessa has a house of her own now. But when I do go there to visit, the energy will always feel different. I will never forget the fear we felt, and sometimes telling a spirit to leave isn't always the best idea. So I definitely learned my lesson there. Thank you for listening to my experiences. I love the podcast and hearing other people's experiences. It makes people like me feel less alone. The paranormal is very interesting, and it's a hard place to navigate but I think that there is definitely an afterlife out there. I wonder if one day we will ever find a better way to communicate and figure out what actually happens. I'm sure that we're all dying to know. I hope you have great holidays. Take care. Melanie from Ontario. Our next experience comes to us from Rachel, and Rachel's story is called A Night in a haunted barn. Rachel says, Hi Nick, thank you for a wonderful show. 
I'd like to share my experience of staying in what I now know was a place with intense poltergeist activity. It was nearly 30 years ago now, and my mother and I went on a trip together to the island state of Tasmania, Australia. We worked our way around the island, picking old historic places that had been made into bed and breakfast lodgings to stay. We found an old barn in the middle of a cow paddock that was converted into a cottage. It looked lovely, and it was very comfortable. There was a kitchen, living area, and bathroom on the ground floor, and a loft-style bedroom upstairs. The bedroom had one double bed in the middle of the room, which my mom slept in, and a single bed over against the far wall, which I took. It was a beautiful old place, being over 150 years old, with solid stone walls. Mom and I had a nice evening with the fire on, just watching telly and enjoying a glass of wine. Everything was normal until we headed up to bed. Mom and I are big readers and we curled up in our beds to read for a little while before settling down. After a while, I wanted a hot drink, so I headed down the little wooden staircase to make us a cup of tea. It was then that I noticed the first of many strange things. The fruit bowl that had been on the sideboard in the dining room was now in the middle of the kitchen table. I couldn't remember Mum moving it, but at that time, I just shrugged. I took up our cups of tea and curled back up in bed to read some more. We were sipping our cup of tea when we heard the back door, which was at the bottom of the bedroom stairs, open and close. Mum and I just looked at each other and said, Did the wind just blow the door open? I assured her that I had locked it and had even checked it when I made tea. I got up and went to the top of the stairs and I could clearly see the door was now unlatched. I was very confused and went back down to rebolt it. It was the kind of lock that could only be slid across from inside. There was no one in the cottage. It was very small with nowhere to hide, but I looked around the small living areas anyway, just in case. It was then that I noticed the fruit bowl was back on the sideboard. I called out to my mom to tell her that the fruit bowl had moved, but she dismissed it and told me that no one would come in and move a fruit bowl, and that I must be mistaken. I knew that I wasn't and had started to get a very uneasy feeling. I went back up to bed. The door then unlatched itself again, not long after in a similar fashion, and again my mother dismissed my concerns as me not locking it properly. We turned the bedside light off to settle down for the night, and it didn't take long before we heard the door open and close again. But this time, we heard footsteps coming up the stairs. Gentle footfall right to the top, then the squeak of the landing floor as if someone was standing at the entrance to the bedroom. Mum turned on the light, but there was no one there. She dismissed it to me by saying that we must have heard the neighbors in the next cottage coming home. This was a poor argument, as the walls between us were about 40 centimeters thick stone, and there was no way we would have heard them. I then gingerly got out of bed again to check the doors, and you guessed it. The back door was unlocked again. I latched it again and returned to bed, more uneasy with every passing moment. As I was trying to sleep, I could have sworn I felt a cold hand in the middle of my back. It was a very strange sensation. It dissipated after a while as I tried to ignore it and get warm in my blankets. Finally, I'm not sure how, but we got to sleep. But not for long. I was in a deep slumber around 2 a.m., when suddenly I was awoken by a huge, deafening bang on the wall beside me. I woke stunned and frozen with fear, my ears ringing from the sound. 
I knew this could not be anything I could explain, as the wall near my bed was about four meters from the ground, with only an empty paddock on the other side. I could hear Mum softly snoring only two meters away, so I knew that I was the only one who had heard it. Mum was the lightest sleeper, and would usually wake at the faintest of sounds. I laid listening for other noises, and for a while there was silence, until I heard scurrying. It sounded like a rat running across the floor, then two rats, then ten, until it sounded like there were dozens of rats scurrying across the wooden floor and under our beds. You could hear the nails scratching on the floorboards as they ran. Mom was still sleeping, but I managed to whisper, Mom. She responded to my whisper immediately and said, Yes? I asked her if she could hear that noise, and she said that she could. I then said, There are rats in here. Turn on the light. And as soon as my mom turned on the lamp, the noise stopped dead. There were no rats. Mom said they must have been in the roof, and that it only sounded like they were on our bedroom floor, but I knew that was impossible, as it was a raked ceiling with no attic space. Needless to say, we left the light on for the rest of the night, but I did not get back to sleep. The next morning, when we got up for breakfast, the fruit bowl had moved again, this time to the kitchen bench. We ate our breakfast in relative silence as we were both tired from lack of sleep. I was a little cross and confused with Mom at her attitude for not wanting to acknowledge what had been going on all night. We then packed our car, thanked our hosts, and left. When we were driving out the gate, Mom let out an exclamation of, Thank goodness we're out of that demonic place. I was shocked and said, What? I didn't think you thought there was anything out of the ordinary going on. But then she admitted to me that she just didn't want to acknowledge it, in case it got worse or stressed me out even more. I told her I thought I was going mad, and she didn't help by making out as if it was just me who was concerned with the night's events. But that was my mom for you. She just said she prayed to God for the activity to stop, and for us to be alright. After all, it was the middle of the night, and we had nowhere else to go, and it was too cold and dangerous for two ladies in the middle of nowhere to sleep in the car. I was raised Christian to believe in angels and demons, but no other spirit entities. As I have matured in my personal beliefs, I understand that there can be different kinds of paranormal activity, and I definitely think that we encountered a classic poltergeist haunting. Thank you, Nick, if you read my tale, and thank you to the listeners if they enjoyed it. It was a memorable night for me. That was for sure. Rachel. Our next experience of the night comes to us from Jack Dayton, and Jack's story is called A Spooky Engagement. Jack says, Back in college, I met a girl, and we became friends. I thought she was so awesome. She had piercings and tattoos, was totally hot, and I couldn't really believe that she wanted to spend time with me. I'd go to her apartment and we'd cook food and watch Avatar The Last Airbender, and we'd drink whatever vodka cocktails we came up with. We had so much fun, we fell in love. Over some years, we moved across the country together. We listened to paranormal mysteries into the nights, adopted two cats, and became writers together. Now, it's time for more fun. So Jordan, please accept this sweet ring and be my fine-ass wife. From Dakota. On behalf of myself and all of our listeners, 
I'd like to wish both Dakota and Jordan a lifetime of love and happiness. Our last story of the night comes from Dakota, and Dakota's story is called Dancing with Demons. Dakota says, A few months into dating my now fiancé, I was staying over at her apartment one evening. She had two roommates, both girls, and shared a bedroom with one of them. After going to bed that evening, sleeping next to my girlfriend, I woke up in the middle of the night and noticed someone standing in the bedroom. At first, I wasn't alarmed because two other people lived there. It was so dark I couldn't see who it was, but I assumed it was probably one of her roommates. I looked across the room at her roommate's bed and saw her sleeping in it. Then as my eyes adjusted more, I realized that this was a man's body shape, and he started coming towards the bed. I realized this was an intruder, a home invasion. I'm not a confrontational person, but I take a certain level of pride in being able to physically defend myself. I've done martial arts most of my life, in addition to submission wrestling and competitive jiu-jitsu, and I'm not afraid to defend myself if I absolutely need to. In that moment in my head, I thought this person had broken in and was coming towards us, and that we were in danger. I had two options, do nothing or jump up and try to kill this guy. All right, I said, let's dance. I decided I was going to try to spring up, change levels, and go for the waist and take his back from there and lift him for some kind of suplex variation. I probably couldn't get a full German suplex in that room, but I could get him up and slam him and go from there. These were the thoughts going through my head and just how real it was. So as he's coming closer to the bed, I jump up. Except I don't. I realized I couldn't move my body, and then everything inside me changed. Then I knew something wasn't right, not because someone was inside, but because something unnatural was happening. Suddenly, terror took over. This person was inching toward me, and I could not move. For anyone who has experienced sleep paralysis before, they know this is not the same feeling of fear that you get in regular life situations. I've been lucky enough to live a relatively fortunate and safe life, but I have had experiences where I'm in danger or I feel as though my life may be threatened. This was a different feeling. It's a true feeling of doom that I have never felt before or since, like your body, or more likely your soul, is telling you that something is wrong and something outside the realm of this world is happening. I didn't understand, and up until that point I was solely under the impression that there was just a guy in the apartment, and for some reason now, I couldn't move. I struggled to move, squirming and trying to open my mouth and make noises to alert my girlfriend or her roommate. As he arrived at the bed, finally I broke free and shot up, except there was no longer anyone there. I got up and searched the apartment, trying to find the person and figure out what had happened. I woke up my now fiancé and explained what happened. The next day, she and her roommates told me about experiences that they had had in the apartment themselves, which included seeing ghostly figures in windows and hearing people whisper in their ears when no one else was around. It wasn't until the next day when I looked up sleep paralysis and read about the shadow man that I realized what I had experienced. At the time it was happening, I had no idea and was fully under the impression that there was just someone who had invaded the apartment, and I had to stop them. This was real and I was not asleep. I don't know what I saw, but I know it was not human. 
My now fiancé saged the apartment, but we moved out shortly after anyway, and I never experienced sleep paralysis or the shadow man before, or since then. After sharing this experience with two other friends who lived in the same apartment building, they both told me that they had seen figures as well. Thanks for listening. As we come to the end of tonight's episode, I appreciate each and every one of you for being here. And a special thank you goes out to Diane, Melanie, Rachel, and Dakota for sharing their experiences. And once again, congratulations to Dakota and Jordan on their engagement. And if you've had a paranormal experience and would like to share your story, you may contact me through email or voicemail on our website and via the links in the show notes. Until next time, I hope you all have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here on Monday with our next episode. From everyone at Paranormal Mysteries, thank you for listening, and remember, don't wait for the unknown to come to you. Get out there and find it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.